0: Hey guys, my name is Shalise Ansola.
1: And I'm Jonathan Rosales.
0: And this is Cults to Consciousness, where we discuss leaving high demand religions and organizations and finding healing and independence through awareness and true individual sovereignty. If you're listening only and you want to see me and my husband's face, go to our YouTube channel at Cults to Consciousness. You can like, you can subscribe. Guys, smashing that subscribe button really means a lot. It means that you are helping us advocate for these victims, for people who are sharing their stories, advocate for exposing all of these cults and culty things and culty tendencies to help people have a wider understanding of what's going on in the world. So thank you for your support. And with that being said, I'm joined today by my husband, Jonathan.
1: Yes. One of the things that stands out to us is how cults are hidden in plain sight. They're out there. Something that I knew was a thing, but not to the extent now that we're diving so deep into the cult world. So of course, you see it everywhere now. And we were watching The Little Mermaid last night on date night, (laughs) and that's when we both looked at each other and we're like, some culty-like tendencies here.
0: Here's the thing, what's that phenomenon called where when you wanna buy a car and you pick a car, you all of a sudden see the car everywhere?
1: Don't know. (laughs) But I know what you're talking about. Let us know in
0: the comments. But that's how I feel like it's been with cults because for the past year, it's almost our one-year anniversary of c to c It's just been everything cults. And so now we just pick it out in every situation. And like he said, we went and watched The Little Mermaid last night in theaters. And both of us were like, hmm, I see some culty similarities. So I have to preface this entire thing by saying, I don't believe Disney is satanic. I quite enjoy Disney movies. I listened, I listen to the music often. It relaxes me and maybe it's just because it's a big part of my childhood. But I can also see that there are some problematic things within their early movies. And I will say that The Little Mermaid that just came out, there's literally no spoilers. It's almost word for word the same movie. So I know that they didn't have a lot of room as far as making changes to the problematic storyline and the ways that we're going to point out. Not entirely saying that Disney is a cult or their stories are cults. In
1: We're not exactly saying to boycott Disney. Yeah. (laughs) We are pro-Disney. There are just some similarities that we couldn't help but see that are probably from their residual stuff.
0: Yeah, I was reading about the original Little Mermaid story fairy tale that Disney essentially used, and it was from 1837. And we all know... There's a lot of culty things coming about in those times. Mormonism, for example, uh, Jehovah's Witness around that time period. So I think the views of women as possessions and this kind of authoritarian control was a through line in many stories of the past. And I think most people can agree that their early stories of this damsel in distress, usually someone who comes from... Uh, A single parent household is what they painted as kind of a bad thing. And this woman needs to be saved. And the prince comes and sweeps her off her feet. Love at first sight. She's 16 years old. Like there's a lot of stuff that are not great in those early movies. And I think most of us can agree now they're doing a lot better job of what they're putting out and being really intentional in the messaging and positive messaging. In fact, at the end of this video, we're going to talk about all the things that they actually changed, just minor details to help the story be a little less problematic. So we are giving them credit in that sense. We're giving
1: them the benefit of the doubt. They did yes. try to redeem themselves, which we'll get into how that was kind of uh, cute, the way they did it.
0: Yeah, so I think the best way to go about this is to just do some overviews in the characters themselves to dive into ways that they may be falling into this culty tendency or this culty programming or this uh, abusive type of relationship between the characters. But I guess I I could start off by just giving an overview of. Ariel in general or The Little Mermaid in general. If you've never seen it, go watch it. I'm just kidding. I'll tell you right now. So it's about this little mermaid. She grew up under the sea and she wants to explore and she wants to be on the world above. She wants to have legs and run around and dance and whatever. And her dad is very overbearing and he's like, no, you can never go to the surface because they're trying to kill you. Well, she goes to the surface. She saves a prince. She falls in love with him. She essentially makes a deal with a sea witch, to get some legs there are some stipulations there the sea witch is just trying to trick her so that she can eventually rule the sea which is what happens because the whole thing is she has to kiss the prince and he has to be in love with her in three days time guys is that even possible waiting for you to give the right answer babe i mean <laughs> of course you could fall in love with me in three days <laughs> ah
1: uh- i mean i think it was one day Uh, (laughs) i think it was the first date
0: but generally speaking that's impossible right so it doesn't happen she turns back whatever it's this whole big ruckus in the ocean the sea witch takes over and in the end eric saves the day by driving a boat through the giant sea witch and killing her and then they get married dad says you know what i'll give you legs after all and they live happily ever after
1: yes so, so that's the rundown disney took that turned it into a, the 1989 classic with a bunch of beautiful songs that we all remember
0: la, 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 la. sing
1: along <laughs> to this day how are they going to do it now probably one of the more refreshing parts of the film is prince eric prince eric yeah. prince eric's And Ariel's lust for curiosity and exploration. They are Mm -hmm. kindred spirits in that he's above land, she's underwater, but they both want more out of life. And I think that curiosity represents that of childhood and wanting to know more about the world that's Mm -hmm. out there. So here comes the oppression. Here (laughs) comes the family, the father.
0: Yes. Okay. So let's start with Ariel. You kind of mentioned it. She is an explorer. She wants to know more. She's just like, give me all the information. I want the education. I want to know what all of these things are called. Tell me everything. And she's really getting none of that from her dad. Her dad is just shuts it down at every turn. Don't even talk to me about that. So she goes to outside sources who are not very knowledgeable and give her wrong information because she just doesn't know who to turn to. And she just wants something different. She doesn't want to belong to this group anymore under the sea. She wants to explore and get out.
1: And that's what I think is a commonality within all the cults, that, at least that we've been diving into over the last few months, is that there is a patriarchal system, usually a man that's the head of... The cult or it's the head of a household the kids are beholden to their parents and then beholden to the father and then
0: well even more so beholden to the father not the parents because the woman is even on the same level as the children under the umbrella of the dad
1: In the little mermaid there is no wife so we get (laughs) there is no mother (laughs) figure
0: (laughs) we'll get to that later opinions on that so then we have the father which we've kind of talked about he's very overbearing of course he's coming from a place of love, at least that's what it appears to be. He doesn't want his daughter to get hurt. And in this this adaptation, the new one, they talk about how her mother was actually killed by humans in the, the dry land world.
1: So that's a little something different. I do feel like there is a lot of convoluted messaging. I found myself watching the film, and it's like, what are they trying to come across here? There's environmental stuff they're trying to get. The humans are bad, right? Um, but then there, there's the, the family dynamics part of it, and I felt like they were trying to cram in a lot of different themes. There was like almost like a um, a bit of a war between the humans and the mer people, that, that ended up getting resolved with the union of Eric and the Little Mermaid at the end. But that's felt random. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So they had these undertones of us versus them that were pretty strong, where we are the right ones, which you hear all the time in religion. We are the only ones with the truth and everyone outside of them is evil and bad and they just want to hurt you. So that was very clear, especially in this new adaptation where you have the the mer people and these shipwrecks happen right and they're like they're polluting our oceans and it's gonna take 500 years for this coral to grow back and ariel's like i don't think they meant to have a shipwreck trying to give them the benefit of the doubt meanwhile you have the humans on land saying we've had so many shipwrecks over the last few years because the gods of the oceans hate us and they're trying to take us down when in reality that's not the case so that was one of the things that I definitely noticed as far as the parallels, the us versus them, the superiority complex, the God complex type of thing.
1: But really, it's the idea that the other side, the world out there is a scary place. Therefore, stay here with us where you're protected.
0: Mm-hmm. So going back to the dad, another thing that I noticed is is he would not listen to Ariel at all. Anytime she brought up something, he would just shut her down immediately, wouldn't try to understand her and her wants and her needs. It was very much, I mean, he literally said, as long as you live in my ocean, you will obey my rules. I was like, yikes. (laughs) It's one of those things I'm sure we've all heard our parents say that to us in various forms, but it really stood out as authoritarian and abusive in the way that he was talking to ariel
1: this guy the father the head of the household the the king of the sea he has a lot of daughters which was interesting and was that part of the original version he did
0: yeah lots of daughters
1: and they all seem to be different races Mm -hmm. so that made me think did he have a lot of different wives yeah a lot of different (laughs) baby mamas that were because they made it a point to talk about how they came from different parts of the sea
0: Yeah. I found that really interesting. And I believe I should have looked this up before we start. I believe in the first movie, they were different races, or at least I feel like there was at least one Asian mermaid in there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just had different hair colors. I'm sorry. I don't know the correct answer to that. But in this one, they definitely made it a point to make all of his daughters very vastly different, almost from different cultures. Actually, I I would say from different cultures with different accents. And he said that they all came from different parts of the ocean for this little meeting. So they don't all live together. So I'm thinking this sounds like a polygamous family where the dad has multiple wives in multiple <laughs> different places.
1: They don't address it, but they kind of nod at it,
0: yeah. So then we have the flying monkeys, which are the mascots. Every princess, Disney princess, has an animal sidekick, right? She's got Sebastian, who is the flying monkey for her father, who is sent to spy on her and report back. Sound the familiar? Crab. <laughs> yeah, the crowd
1: is like, he's the girl, mm-hmm. he's always pushing, always wanting the best. For ariel but yeah. really the idea is that he's always keeping an eye
0: and that's kind of a, a funny thing when you think about people in these high control groups that really, truly just want the best for you. And so in your quote, best interest, they will go and tell one of the leaders something that you've been up to so that they can punish you so that you can get on the right track again. That was kind of Sebastian. And there were a few times in this new movie that he was like, Oh, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to say anything. And then he was kind of forced to say something, which we all remember that scene from the original one too. But Overall, he's basically a flying monkey for the father. And then you have Flounder, who never tattletales, but he's always there with her, like, okay, I feel like this is a bad idea, but I support you. So I don't know if we can necessarily consider him a flying monkey. He's more of um, a cult sidekick or someone who's also going through the experience, not necessarily agreeing with, with it, but still supporting her.
1: Then there's Scabbers. Scabbers? S- scabbers. Scuttle. <laughs> that's harry potter (laughs) scuttles
0: scuttle the bird and scuttle is the one who also means well but has no information and is always giving the wrong answers so She goes to him with the fork and is like, what is this? And I think he calls it a thingamabob or I don't remember what he Mm -hmm. calls it. And then he's like, yeah, humans use it to brush their hair, which creates an embarrassing moment for Ariel on land. Breaks
1: into a rap at one point in this (laughs) version, which I thought (laughs) was like, that was a cool ad. I'll go with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It was the same writer from Hamilton, which makes total sense. Um, It's kind of fun.
1: So the idea is that. These cults that exist out there, there are these flying monkeys, people that are the the do-gooders of the cult, that they're going to do what's best for the cult, the leader. They're going to be the watchful eyes. They're going to be the ones who, in Scientology, they're the ones that are um, snitching and then coming up with the knowledge reports. Or the right-hand
0: man to the leader.
1: Ariel is surrounded by three of them.
0: Yes. Now let's talk about Ursula, the sea witch. A few things here. I think It could be said, if we're drawing the parallels, of course, that this could be someone who maybe left the cult, right? Or she was banished, excommunicated, where she's not even allowed to live in the pretty happy, coral-filled place of the ocean she's sent to the dark side. She felt pretty
1: jaded the whole time she's talking about how she had the the raw end of the... Of the
0: deal. Yeah. And she's in pain. It's really obvious that she's just so upset from being banished for 15 years. And in the second movie, this new one, they make her Triton's sister, the dad's sister. So that also adds an interesting dynamic of family being banished. Like, why was she banished in the first place? I don't know. Maybe she did something bad. Or maybe they just didn't like that she practiced witchcraft, which is also something that religions do (laughs) when they see anything like potions or crystals or whatever tarot cards. uh Uh-oh. And they think that they're practicing witchcraft. Stay away from our family because you are dangerous, which she is in the movie. But I just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Yes. So her whole thing is she's plotting against the king the entire time. And she finds a loophole, a way in, which is Ariel in her curiosity. She could basically put Ariel against her father if she can trick Ariel into going up to the, with the humans, therefore casting a spell on her. If Ursula wins and the Little Mermaid does not kiss the prince, then she will basically own the Little Mermaid. This goes back to ownership. Mm-hmm. It will be mine.
0: Yeah, and I really wanted to bring up the point that when you are isolated in a group like Ariel was and not given the information and just dying to know what's out there and you try to leave on your own, sometimes you end up falling for other culty behaviors. You fall into culty relationships, like someone who's a narcissist, for example. And there's that power dynamic, that power struggle, because you aren't really equipped to know how to take care of yourself outside of the cult, especially if you have no resources. So when she decides to take things into her own hands and she goes to see the Sea Witch, she's super easily manipulated by ursula because she just wants something so bad and she doesn't know how else to get it and so she falls into this trap
1: she even sees the red flags but she says "Eh, whatever
0: yeah she literally says in this video i can't remember if it was on the first one but it stood out to me where she's like this doesn't feel right i'm leaving and then ursula says something like fine just go home to your dad and never come back and that made her think, well, no, I still want to explore the world. I guess this is my only option. And then she falls for it.
1: Ursula even revealed her cards. She had skulls of other people that have taken her Faustian bargain, basically, her deals, and it didn't work well for them. But you're going to be cool. If you take my deal, I think you're going to make it.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing that a lot of cults tend to do is they call out the behavior and say, if you join our group, yes, it's gonna be difficult. Yes, you're gonna have an ego death, and it's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever experienced, but it's gonna be worth it. And so they tell you ahead of time how they're gonna break you. And so in your mind, you are actively choosing that and you're not being manipulated. You don't see how you're being manipulated into make the decision, even when you think you have all of the information. And in this case, the new movie, they make it so there's a little clause, which was not in the first movie, that she won't remember what the actual deal is. So once she makes the deal, she doesn't know that in order to continue to be human with legs, she's going to have to kiss the prince. And so it adds a whole other layer of consent as far as when you join these culty groups. Sometimes you don't really know what you're signing up for until you're way too deep into it. And by then, All of your abilities to see red flags have been missing for a while. You can't really think critically anymore because you're just so invested in this group because you thought they would offer you the world.
1: I think one of the more interesting things of the Little Mermaid story in general is the fact that it centers around a mermaid, uh, a siren, somebody who prides themselves and is special because of their voice and their singing. Mm -hmm. She was able to catch the attention of the prince, well, for one, by saving his life, but two, singing to him to kind of uh, wake him back up from uh, near death. Mm -hmm. So it was her voice. And the one stipulation that Ursula has is, I need your voice. So she literally takes her voice. What a metaphor. What a literal slash figurative (laughs) thing going on there.
0: Yeah, there are so many parallels we can draw with this, just one example, because a lot of times when people leave high demand groups, especially the second one, they're too afraid to speak out. They're afraid to tell their story. They're afraid to be seen. They're afraid to use their voice in any way, shape, or form because they've been burned in the past, or they just don't know how to speak up because they've been oppressed for so long that even just saying this makes me feel uncomfortable isn't something that they've been given to express themselves in the past. They don't even know how to express themselves. So the fact that her voice is literally taken, she sends her on this impossible task of getting a prince to fall in love with her in three days, knowing she's going to fail, knowing that she's going to come crawling back. It just reminds me of the ways that cults will say, okay, sure. Yeah, you can go to the outside world. Good luck. See you in three days. See you when you realize it, it's not gonna work for you. But they purposely don't give you the tools to succeed because they don't want you to succeed. They want you to be reliant on them.
1: Meanwhile, we have the prince who is almost a reflection or a mirror image. If the water is a horizon line, you have a reflection of underwater to above water. He, the prince, is also being oppressed by his family. It seems a little bit more benign uh, above land, but you gotta stay home. All that traveling you were doing out in the sea, that's dangerous, you know what, stay here. And um, listen to us.
0: And I don't want everyone to get confused with good parenting and culty behaviors because that's not what we're talking about here. We're really drawing the extreme lines of like if this were a cult leader, ways that they can control and manipulate people. So I just want to make that distinction. But yes, I also found it interesting in this adaptation, they made him adopted. So he became part of this family, and we all know that royal families can get a little bit culty in the way that they go about things. And, I mean, we've seen it play out before, I don't need to tell you. So he's in this group that he didn't ask to be a part of, and he doesn't really want to be a part of it. He wants to change things up. He's like, when I'm king, I'm going to do things differently because he has a different a different idea for the world that he wants to live in. So this is, again, the person that's within the group or within the cult that has big ideas, has a big heart, just wants to make the world a better place and is trying to do that while being kind of forced to stay small. So when he meets Ariel and he falls in love with her, even when he realizes that she's a mermaid, he still wants to go out and almost save her from her group because they're kindred spirits in that way. They both understand what it's like to be, I guess, trapped in a fishbowl, right?
1: Yeah, which by the way, I think it goes without saying that this is a literal fish out of water story. (laughs) But yeah, no. So Eric, even he said, I feel kind of weird about this world that I've been brought up in. He reveals that to her. Um, And I think another interesting point is that the witch, Ursula, she even tries to bewitch him.
0: Yeah. So Ursula even tries to trick Eric. And I think that that's an interesting point that maybe some of you have seen play out in your own family dynamics when trying to leave a high demand group or religion or cult where you have escaped, you meet someone, and when you bring them home, your family tries to sink their claws in and like, well, have you tried to convert him yet? She even, in the movie, tries to trick him into doing her bidding to basically get what she wants through Ariel. So she doesn't really care about this Eric character, but she will do whatever it takes to manipulate the people around Ariel to make sure that Ariel comes home Safe and sound, well, not really safe eventually when she's in her possession, but gets her to come back to the culty scenario.
1: Yeah. And then there's all kinds of weirdness going on. Like the fact that, can we talk about the underage thing? I felt like the entire <laughs> time I was like, isn't she 16? And everyone's trying to force these two together. You got to kiss the girl. <laughs> I'm like, She's a kid. Was she she 16 in this?
0: She was 16 in the original movie in 1999. Is it 99 version? 89. 89. It's 1989 version. But in this version, Disney made it a point to say that she's 18. And then we also know that the prince, they kind of made some sort of uh, reference that he was over 21. So they, you know, they've made an effort to make it a legal situation. What
1: was the deal with everyone the the trying to force the intimacy between the two? Like that was the whole point is like you can only be saved if you guys are intimate with each other.
0: You know, I feel like there's something to be said about all of these Disney movies and the weird purity culture that is surrounding it. So almost every early Disney movie with the princesses, there's some weird like true love's kiss or you have in Sleeping Beauty, the prince kissing someone who's asleep, which is like, hmm, should we be doing that? Um, So I think I mean, it's better than going further than that, but it is kind of weird and creepy that that would be the stipulation. For her to be able to stay human and not become the possession of an evil witch.
1: Yeah. Especially when she's in 16 in the 89 version. <laughs> maybe maybe in mermaid years, she's... she's <laughs> a, or maybe there's like a statue of limitations. Maybe it's different <laughs> so, for so. more
0: people. I don't know. Um, but I will give the credit. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I'll give the credit to Disney for changing some of the lyrics in the kiss the girl scene. So I have them here. Initially, it said... There's only one way to ask her. It doesn't take a word, not a single word. Go on and kiss the girl, right? It's like, really? Is that the only way to ask her is by not asking her? So then they changed it. Here's my singing voice. Uh, To possible she wants you to use your words, boy, and ask her, right? Wait, can you
1: actually sing that?
0: (laughs) Okay, let me see. Use your words, boy, and ask her. La, 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 la. If the time is right and the time is tonight, go on and kiss the girl.
1: (laughs) Kiss the girl.
0: Yeah, so use your words. If the time is right, if the time is tonight, kiss the girl, which I really really appreciate the change in the lyrics
1: there they try to redeem themselves there there were other ways that they try to do it too what was another one another way another way that disney tried to redeem themselves
0: okay should we get into that let's get into it let's get into the lyric change on ursula's song i have it on my phone here if you recall there was an entire scene or entire verse of Ursula's Poor Unfortunate Souls song about how Ariel should not speak and how it's unattractive for her to speak. So these are the lyrics, and I've never really paid attention, but once I did, I was like, whoa. The men up there don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Yet on land it's much preferred for ladies not to say a word. And after all, dear, what is idle blabble for? Come on, they're not all all that impressed with conversation. True gentlemen avoid it when they can. But they dote and swoon and fawn on a lady who's withdrawn. It's she who holds her tongue who gets a man. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Guys. So credit to Disney. They took that whole thing out and replaced it with... Fine then. Forget about the world's above. Go back home to daddy and never leave again. So they really took a turn as far as Mm -hmm. changing that narrative, which just sticking
1: to the oppression of the family (laughs) theme. That's a better, better call.
0: They do say, uh, this is a quote from Disney, we have some revisions in Poor Unfortunate Souls regarding lines that make young girls somehow feel like they shouldn't speak out of turn, even though Ursula is clearly manipulating Ariel to give up her voice. So I think, you know, it's part of being a villain. You have to have some manipulation going on. So like, we get it. So she's clearly manipulating her, even saying, fine, don't do this, but you're never going to get what you want. Go back home to Daddy. It's a far greater option than shut up and be quiet.
1: Then, of course, there's the father. I think he had the biggest redeeming story arc. At the very end, he saw the error of his ways.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a really nice ad that they put in there where he said, you know what, Ariel? I'm so sorry that I didn't listen to you, and I will listen to you from here on out. So I thought that was really great, him taking accountability and recognizing that he wasn't being very great. And yes, you can have parental boundaries, but it's still nice to hear your kids out at least, right? At the very least, hear your kids out and then discuss with them why you're making these boundaries. We don't need to get into parenting. The point is Disney made it a point to put it in there that he apologized for his ways and apologized for essentially forcing her to take matters into her own hands instead of just waving his little trident and giving her legs from the beginning, which is what he ended up doing in the end.
1: The last scene is literally Eric and Ariel in a little sailboat going off into, in their own words, uncharted waters. (laughs) That made me laugh. (laughs) And the father giving his approval, pushing them off and surrounded by Eric's parents and the whole village, all kind of giving their wave of approval of, yes, go explore out there in the unknown world. See, See what you find.
0: I did have to laugh when she was like, you know, the whole song of, what do you call them? Oh, feet. And then when her tail disappears, I'm like, she's going to have a rude awakening. And what else comes with the pair of legs? <laughs> <It's> where <laughs> her fin once was going back to no oh, education God. of your own anatomy and what's going on? What do you
1: call this? <laughs>
0: <A> clam. <laughs> oh, there is one thing that we forgot to mention. So in the early Disney movies, as I mentioned, usually the princess is swept off her feet and she's saved and oh this poor damsel. In this version they made it so Ariel was the one who killed the the queen and the queen, the sea witch. And I thought that was nice. They are trying to step up and give women more power. Loved Moana. I watched it on repeat like a bajillion times and I'm like, it's the only movie that there's no love story and I really loved Mm. that.
1: And a good story. The main character, whether it's a man or a woman should be the one to finish off their storyline.
0: Yeah, it was a power move. It was really nice. And they also made it a point, Disney, to say in a few interviews, the differences were that in uh, when the sea witch comes and pretends to be this beautiful woman with Ariel's voice – They were at an engagement or a proposal party, not the wedding, because the original video was like, oh, he meets her. And the next day they get married. That's a little fast. So they made it a proposal party. And then they also said they purposely made it really vague at the end, whether or not Ariel and Prince Eric were actually married or if they were just selling off in, I don't know, a chance to get to know each other, and go on adventures together.
1: I'm going to take this moment to give some props to Ariel because she was a pretty great character. She yeah. was just curious. She was talented. There wasn't a bad bone in her body. She could have had a superiority complex growing up in family cult. But she did not She just knew what she wanted and she felt bad that her dad was impressing her. And yeah. she went out and explored anyway. In the end, her dad was like, yeah, you're right. And she was like, yeah, I, I, that's what I said. Yeah. And then she ended up being able to do what she wanted, which and was that- explore the world.
0: That also speaks to usually the people that find themselves in cult-like situations are the ones that have the most compassion and the most empathy and genuinely see the best in people, which is how sometimes they get tricked. So I will say it was nice that they showcased how empathetic she was to the people that she didn't even know their real intentions, but she just had this in her heart that when she saw them on the surface that they were good and they didn't mean any harm to them and there was a misunderstanding. So... I did like that.
1: You know where I want to go? Where? Where the people are.
0: <laughs> I want to see, want to see them dancing.
1: So kudos to Disney for being in a rough spot trying to revamp a story that was already kind of problematic that was a a revamp a 200 year old story and trying to appease the old audience but also still trying to make it more current and less problematic with all of the oppression and
0: yeah i think they did a good job and i'm not one here to be a hater on disney because again i love disney movies but uh, i was also raised in a cult so, who's to say? <laughs> we just thought it might be fun to draw these similarities and see what you guys think. Let us know in the comments if you agree. And if you have other things that you want us to do culty comparisons on, we'd be happy to. Yeah, if
1: you like this format, this is our first time trying this format. So. It
0: is. So, let us know what you think. And if you want to support the podcast, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash cults to consciousness. Uh, but also, just by watching and subscribing, honestly helps us a lot it tells the algorithm that you like the video and your comments do that as well so we appreciate any and all support you are able to give us and until next time follow your highest excitement be conscious and be well thanks for listening if you like what you hear it would mean a lot if you could like and subscribe on youtube and leave a review or a comment to help with our visibility you can also find me on social media at Colts to Consciousness or reach out by email at Colts to Consciousness at gmail.com.